0: Hey guys, welcome to the Beyond Fitness podcast. This is episode six with your hosts, Jake Van Hoff.
1: And Kate.
0: And today we have a guest episode. We have one of our friends, actually, Ryan Bennett, who we worked with at Nuffield as PTs. And Ryan is still a coach uh, and is going to tell us about himself. How are you doing, mate?
2: Yeah, so um, first, thank you for having me on. A n- nice little introduction there overall. Um, so yeah, no, I'm doing good, um, working my way through lockdown and you know, trying my best to, to make the best of a bad situation. So um, obviously, as Jake said, my name's Ryan Bennett. Um, I'm a online and in-person PT and a part-time model as well on the side. So my kind of overall goals at the moment is working towards that point is trying
0: to become that kind of full-time online PT. Yeah. Cool, Uh, so that's a pretty good little rundown of uh, who you are, what you do, Um, I think the first place we wanted to start with you Ryan is uh, for you to talk us through your personal fitness journey up to now, kind of leaving out the work-based stuff so um, not so much about, about PT and online PT.
2: Be careful what you ask for because you can get me talking <laughs> for, for hours here it's
1: um, um, a mind feel, isn't but it? yeah, yeah
2: um, that's it i'll try and keep it as concise as i can um okay no that sounds good that sounds good um it's something that i find myself uh talking quite a lot about um you know with, with a lot of clients i think it helps with that kind of relatability as well so um there's ups and downs and i would say there's maybe a little bit more downs than there are ups um so i'd probably say from a very early age um roughly about the age of 7 years old was the first time i probably said i would have started at that point of being body conscious um you know aware of my physique aware of how i looked and i think you know you know looking back at that age now already is quite frightening to the sense of from such an early age to literally be so kind of aware of how you look and potentially be influenced by, you know, how others look around you and kind of maybe kind of critiquing yourself um, on how you look physically. So um, that's kind of like the the earliest age I can kind of think back to of kind of having maybe somewhat of like a negative association within the way I look um, or looked rather. So in my early childhood years, um, I took part in competitive swimming. I think I started um, swimming in like a competitive setting from about five years old um, and along with that as well I, I took part in multiple other uh, sports um, all the way up until like uh, early secondary school. So I had quite an experience of doing sports, I was very sociable and I enjoyed a lot of that and then as the years went on um, I completely burned out from swimming. Just the the real kind of the pressure and the commitment that was required, it just wasn't something I was really truly passionate about. So
0: it was quite intense. Yeah, Yeah,
1: swimming's swimming's quite
0: renowned for that. My my little sister's uh, quite high-end swimmer and Mm -hmm. yeah, it it sounds pretty hardcore. Mm -hmm. Totally, Uh, so I I think with that being like ingrained from such an early age,
2: that that led to me potentially working to the point of not really having the best relationship with forms of exercise, because it was like, the commitment and dedication was just like, it was just, it was so much pressure. And i remember doing my first few swimming competitions and that was the first time i really experienced anxiety and that was maybe like eight or nine years old mm-hmm. and you know you're you're swimming in front of hundreds of people and i remember like going like sheet white almost like shaking a little bit as well and and just you know feeling like even nauseous in that situation so um that was a kind of like what kind of that was my first real kind of experience in in terms of exercise um and along with that high level of activity didn't really have any effect on on how I looked. So as a child and up until the age, about 12, 13, I was, I held quite a bit of puppy fat, you know, and I, I was kind of always identified in like, um, many different friends group, friend groups as being, you know, the, the quote unquote fat one, or the one that was, you know, a little bit more, held a little bit more body fat than most other people. And, um, that is obviously something that kind of worsened this kind of body consciousness that I had from an early age. And it kind of started to progress um, from then on. I mean, it would even be things as simple as, like, um, I wouldn't see my grandparents in a couple of weeks or a couple of months. And they'd come around and see me and my grand would maybe, like, make a little comment. Like, just a, a very light like, comment of just like, oh, you're looking a lot chubby or something like that. And just, like, you know, <laughs> grabbing my cheeks yeah. or...
1: Dicks, though, isn't it? Like
2: totally.
1: as young as eight or nine years old, but you remember vividly people making
2: those comments. Totally,
0: on it. totally, yes, it's amazing. You, like you remember it so clearly now, so you just exactly. know it an exactly. impact on you. Yeah, exactly. So I remember. Um,
2: On one occasion in particular when that happened, being so upset afterwards and and my mum literally sitting down with me and being like, No, it's okay, like don't worry at all. Like, you know, you don't need to worry about this sort of thing at this kind of age. And it really did it did get to me from such an early age. But so, you know, kids can be cruel as well. Like, you know, kids have no filter and you know, if you get in a fight or an argument with someone when you're in primary school, they'll easily jump to calling you some sort of insults like that and, you know, not putting my hands up and saying that I'd never said that to any other kids or anything like that as well. You know, we're, we're all kind of like that in in that early age, I guess. So once I got to about the, about what, 10 years old, it's it's so funny because this is like a real pivotal moment again as well that I can always kind of think back to. Um, And I definitely should not have been watching this movie at this age, but I remember, um, parents had gone to bed, I I stuck stuck the TV on this movie I'd wanted for ages, and it was the 1987 Predator movie starring uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. And from literally that moment onwards, I was like blown away with how Arnold Schwarzenegger looked. And I was like, oh my God, like, how could I, like, I, I was just like, this is nothing like I've ever seen before. And it's funny looking back in my younger years as well, because I was always obsessed with like Batman action man like I I used to my school janitor in primary school called me for the entire time that I was at primary school Batman because I used to dress up as Batman all the time and these kind of like idolizing (laughs) idolizing um kind of physiques you know you look at Batman like big broad shoulders big pegs you know diced abs all this sort of thing and I think that sort of thing because I was so kind of obsessed seen them as like an idol I just like loved that kind of look that was like a real subconscious kind of like implant in my memory almost that kind of as years went on it was maybe it was something that i wanted to strive to kind of look like so i had this kind of um contrast between of how i felt in my own perception of myself and all mm-hmm. the things that i really enjoyed and like maybe what i wanted to aspire to be like kind of you know on two extreme levels um and then as years went on um this kind of body consciousness was obviously uh, still lingering um i remember me and my older brother we ended up um, I must have been like 12 years old and, and we got ourselves like a set of dumbbells and barbells if, if anyone sees me doing my home workouts it's those exact ones that I now <laughs> yeah. at home um, so I, I got them and I remember like me my well I, I knew nothing of what I was doing and my brother was quite a bit more advanced um, than me at that point at swimming so well he was like 15 I was 12 and he kind of had a little bit of kind of coaching kind of here and there in like muscular endurance classes and showing how to do certain exercises so I kind of like you know learned off him a little bit but never stuck at it really at all mm-hmm. um so then <laughs> another so then I was so at this point I was in secondary school um you know start going through the years of puberty start becoming a little bit more anxious a little bit weary of how you're looking you know hormones all over the place and it was funny, I, I remember again, so vividly, um, the first time of being embarrassed doing exercise was, um, it was the end of first year of high school and we had the Marines that came into school and my team like failed in some sort of challenge. And he was like, right, get down and give us 10 press-ups. And I couldn't do 10 press-ups. And I remember the Marine pointing at me in my face and saying to me, you're, you're I think I was 13. He was like, you're 13. And you can't do 10 press-ups. That's embarrassing.
0: And it was just like, at that point,
2: I was just like, it was just like, I I just felt that feeling inside. And I was just like, do you know what? That is embarrassing. I was like, I'm I'm the only one in my group that couldn't do 10 press-ups. And that kind of lingered with me for a while. And I felt, you know, more inadequate on the exercise side of things. I mean, I'd stopped doing swimming at this point. Um, It'd been a good year since I'd taken part in any form of exercise. I was still conscious. I still felt kind of, overweight even though I wasn't technically overweight um and then I still didn't really do anything about it I just kind of got kind of caught up in kind of feeling down about it and then another year went by we had the same kind of test in PE a year after I think I got like half the amount of press ups as any of my mates and I was I was a bit of the 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 one that was getting laughed at in uh, the group of my mates and then I was like, do you know what, I'm sick of this. I'm sick of this, I want, I want to change this as much as possible. Um, so then I started kind of just really focusing on press ups and sit ups and those own kind of like body weight exercises that we do at home. Cause I was like, I don't know what I'm doing with weights. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna do these. And clearly if I can get a good amount of press ups, then, you know, I'm maybe gonna feel better about myself and other people might look at me a little bit differently in that, in that sense. So two years flew by. Um, we came back into doing uh, our Muscular Endurance kind of test in, in PE. So this was like standard grade PE, so like fourth year of high school. And um, I think I got like 70 press ups in a minute. And all of my mates maybe got like 30 or something like that. And they were just like, what? Like they just couldn't really quite believe it. And that feeling, that was that first feeling of like accomplishment I had there. And I was like, oh my God, like, if I actually work at this sort of thing and put this effort in consistently, which I did, and um, leading up to that entire point, I felt amazing about it. Um, so that was that kind of first feeling of, like, reward within myself. Um, and then it was kind of, you know, that feeling that I was potentially, like, improving on on some sense myself. So anyway, going off on a bit of a tangent there. But anyway, um, so I was getting into the kind of exercise side of things. Like, so as you can imagine, that would progress a little bit. Um, and that was not really having that much of an impact on way I, the way I was looking visually. So um, that was when I first started like restricting myself in terms of eating. So about the age of 14, 13, 14. Um, and you know, that's possibly the worst time that you could do that, you know, going through that <laughs> stage of puberty as well. And you're you're basically restricting yourself so much. So I remember being in school and literally not eating breakfast, not eating lunch, Uh, my mum would give me sandwiches and I would just get some and i just throw them in the bin when I was at school and then I would get home in the evening um, and then I'll just have dinner and that was it so you know like you're you're talking extremely low amount of food Um, because it was always good food that my mum was was making as well so you know you're talking like 500 calories a day and that went on for a long period of time Um, so over that next two years I basically I lost a lot of weight so I grew to basically the height I am now which is six foot two and I was very low 60 kilo body weight um and I ended up developing like a very very bad relationship with food and it got to the point that my body was literally like rejecting the food that then I was eating when I came out to eating that dinner because I was just I, I don't know what what really kind of came over me at that point, but it was like a physiological kind of rejection. And it, what, it, it, I, I would say it was almost like a, a crossover of kind of bulimia. It wasn't the sense of making myself sick, but a lot of time I couldn't keep couldn't keep it down. And then, as you can imagine, that's just spiraling out of control over time. Um, my mum didn't know this was going on at the point as well. And I was severely underweight, and then I started getting um, like knee dislocations in school. So if I was sat cross-legged, I'd, I'd go to stand-up. And my knee, my right knee joint in particular, would always like stick in place. And my mum, when she heard that out, she was like, right, let me see your legs. And I like, pulled my school trousers up and her face just like dropped. She was like, you used to have quite big legs. And she was like, she was she was freaked out. She was freaked out because she'd saw how much weight I'd lost and obviously I'd, I'd grown a lot. So she took me to the doctors. Um, and it was one of these weird kind of coincidental moments where the the doctor that I had was a locum doctor and his son had the exact same issues but his son um i think his son was autistic and his real kind of passion and focus was always exercise so he always ended up falling in the category of just doing way too much all the time to extreme levels and um, so i got some good guidance from him um and i mean you know it's, it's it's funny looking back it's like what what do most people think when you know you're looking to lose weight even from an early age it's like a lot of people just jump to that conclusion of just starving yourself and just making sure to to eat significantly less, where it's obviously the worst thing that you could possibly do. Um, So with this locum doctor pointing me in the right direction, um, I end up getting my first gym membership as well um, with that real motive, obviously still to kind of look better and appeal more to obviously the opposite sex as well, as most males tend to have that motive when they first get into the gym. um, But... You know, that only lasts for such a period of time. And I, I, I fell in love with the process of, of training in the gym. Um, not only for the visual purposes, but it was just how I felt and that feeling of self-improvement. So thereafter, um, I was, you know, I find myself kind of looking on your typical bodybuilding forums, uh, your, your typical very generic um, advice that looking back, it definitely was a, a large mistake, or the long, the the incorrect route for me, definitely, because I wasn't your normal average person that would start off in a, a normal position. Not that the the any of them was really tailored to your regular person. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a lot of like misinformation there. Um, nowhere near, obviously, the amount of accessible information you have now. So going along with the gym I started managing to kind of get on the other side and you know this doctor that gives me this um kind of brief guidance and you know you you need to eat more just having like a professional like a doctor just being saying like you need to eat more I'm like all right okay right I need to eat more that's that's what I need to do got into the gym was enjoying the gym and obviously like I said I fell in love with it and became so fascinated fascinated by um exercise and diet that then I wanted to pursue that in uni so Hmm. um ended up going to uni Um, to study sport and exercise science and over that next couple years improved kind of on all all those aspects kind of got rid of all that kind of under eating side of things and and really enjoyed like you know your your traditional kind of train hard and you know (laughs) eat big to get big all all those kind of uh, cliche terms and i then found my point halfway through uni where I'd finally gotten to the point where I was actually happy with my physique and I was happy with the way I looked and it was like such a sense of achievement for me and this was about like the age of like 19 um and I went through my first um diet at that point properly that was successful um first time I ever had abs and I felt like amazing for it um I let it consume me a little bit too much and I had no idea where to go from that point I I wanted to always stay in that kind of peak condition as much as I possibly could but didn't know how any way and how I could go about doing that um so after a few months of being in this kind of happy position that I'd ever been in physically um I ended up having a really really bad kind of rebound and bounce back and this is where I kind of started a really bad kind of binge starve repeat cycle and i ended up gaining like i think it was like 14 or 15 kilos in like two or three months like just severe binge eating and my flatmates at the time would definitely know this due to the amount that i would just wouldn't shut up about french toast like for some reason my obsession was french toast because i'd make french toast every morning and it's all that i would speak about so it basically went from being on the under-eating side of things to then transitioning way 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 over to then having this uncontrollable binge eating behavior. And for that whole two years, I, I can hands down say that was the, the worst mental place I've ever been in. Um, and it was really, really tough. Um, from then I remember being just like in such a bad place and then it, it just seemed like it was never ending. I couldn't get out of this hole. And then I finally came across more kind of reliable sources of information um, so I was able to read through their articles. I I remember the first week upon discovering like a um, podcast that I still listen to today. Um, I, I think I listened to like thirty hours of a pod, of their podcast within that first week. I was just like, right, how do I get out of this hole? Mm-hmm. Like, I need to find my way of getting out of this. Like, th- there's there's no choice. Like, I I can't go on any longer being in this position. So from then. I was able to basically gain more knowledge within kind of practicing this on, on myself, um, kind of overcome, overcame this kind of, um, binge, uh, starve, repeat cycle. And from then on, it's just kind of been upwards from there. And I guess, you know, it's, I look back a lot now and think, you know, the, the more mistakes that I've made, the, the more, knowledgeable the more curious that i've become about potential issues and potential roots, and being able to to kind of solve these situations um
0: it's funny it's funny how many coaches exercise professionals pts have gone through what i would what i think if you looked at it in a very black and white way and factual terms would be eating disorders yeah yeah um and how few of us reach out for help with that? Yeah. Totally. It's
1: the kind of hindsight that you really talk about. I think we've talked about that a little bit in other podcasts, but it's kind of like when you're in the moment, you know, it is something that you kind of just struggle on with by yourself, but you're quite happy talking about it afterwards.
2: 100%. Yeah, is, is hindsight such a powerful thing? Yeah. In that position, totally. And I feel like those kind of, well, yeah, being in that situation really you you think you like you you can become so over consumed by focusing more so on where you want to be rather than where you are at that current position and what you need to do at that time to to get to where you need to be um and you never think it's going it's as severe as it really is but um i find it's, it's weird like i remember the first couple of times i started kind of speaking about this kind of to people for the first time and telling them that it like I would get quite emotional about it and like yeah. people would be like oh my god like that's real that's mental that you've been through that and I was like oh <laughs> yeah I, I guess it kind of is really so you know like that's that's really taken me up to really today where I'm at so um, a couple years ago so what two years ago um, oh, a bit more than that now two and a half years ago yeah two two and a half years ago started working as a PT in person um once I'd finished uni um and then obviously the challenges are brought on themselves of building your own pt business and mm-hmm. working <laughs> all day every day um but you know finally getting to the position where i am now where you know I've, I've always loved my job at the same time as well it's like it's it's never at the the point where it's you really view it quite as work like obviously work does build up but it's still I'm, i i feel very privileged to be able to do a job that, that mm. i i'm so passionate and I obviously love through and through
1: no
0: definitely would you say kind of the struggles that you had with with body image and probably more so with food Mm -hmm. are were were quite central to what made you decide to be a coach to to be a pt or totally what else totally so you know like i always kind of think like
2: if i had the option to be able to rewind time or you know go back and visit my my younger self in that Mm -hmm. situation and be able to give myself the advice that I would give someone like that now. That, like, you couldn't put a price on that. Like, for, for me, looking back at that point, I'm like, there, it, it would be so life changing that having that, when I had that realization, I was like, you know, I would love to be able to obviously help people prevent from going through any of those struggles that I'd been through before myself. That I think, you know, people do undermine how emotionally and mentally straining those kind of issues can be that you know you you can't you can't think clearly you can't go through your normal way of living you like living in a state of self-hatred is just it's it's horrible it's one of the worst things that you can you can go through totally so um you know back then as well i i didn't even just like you said like i didn't even think that there was anyone you could really go to that would be able to you know help you with those sort of problems and the good thing now is obviously there is, pardon me, there's so many coaches and people out there that are able to help with these sort of things and obviously with the, like how easy it is to access information like that now as well. Like, I mean, you know, you still have the, the issue is if you, you go onto Google and you type in whatever phrase it is and you just get like 10 different conflicting articles and you know, it's, it's as real as that will be, but it's obviously trying to find that kind of real credible and reliable sources totally yeah. um so
1: and do you think that your personal experiences it's does that do you think that's kind of shaped the way you coach people like do you think that that affects that
2: totally 100% like it's it's funny like each of my clients will know like this there's, there's certain things that I will kind of review or look at or ask a lot of questions on that they'll probably be like why the hell do you need to know this or like what what no like I'm not thinking about food at all, all the time, or you know I'm like I'm fine in terms of food focus, I'm like, all right, okay, yep, yep, just just checking you know like it just gives you that little bit more you're a little bit more cautious,
0: mm-hmm. and I think
2: it's it's obviously always better to have that at the forefront of your mind rather than you know neglecting something like that where potentially something could be going on like that, and obviously using certain questions to be able to kind of prompt someone if they were in a position to maybe open up um mm-hmm. about something like that so yeah, it's definitely shaped the, the way in which I coach and just made me a little bit more of a, aware of potential negatives that could come from certain things, for, you know, regarding training and exercise. And you always find it with, I, I think as well, like going back to what you were saying, if you know, like coaches experiencing these things is, you're always folk, like, it's always those most driven individuals, it tends to be like, those that are just willing to do anything that it takes, yeah. that you know, you're like, like that was like me all the time, I was like, right, I've got my problem. I'm going to do everything I can to solve this. And it just ended up always being way too much. Exactly. Exactly. Being way too restrictive, doing way too much exercise. And you think that, you know, the typical hashtag team knows no days off or, you know, train harder. That's better. Like all that nonsense that you really take that for, for what it is. And you just end up running yourself into
0: all sorts of problems. Yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely personality type based. Is it, is it type A personality more obsessive? Just
1: get an idea in the head
0: and. I, 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 I couldn't tell you I couldn't tell you but I like yeah. that. There is personality typing and one of them is is definitely more um, obsessive traits and um,
1: stubborn and
0: stubborn yeah although yeah of things. Well, um, that's that's me <laughs> that is one hundred percent me as well yeah uh, it's something you have to, you have to, when that's the beauty of knowing yourself a bit more and I guess getting older but being. Quite self aware is you become conscious of your potential issues. Yeah. Yeah. And and you can catch them a little bit more. For example, you know, I know, Kate knows that we're all capable of becoming too obsessive.
1: Yeah. And
0: knowing that is important because you can catch it a bit more. Totally. Cool. Um, I think next question would be. How do you deal with struggles with body image as Mm -hmm. both a PT and a model? Mm -hmm. And a really interesting thing for anyone listening to this uh, would be Ryan is on the surface Mr. Perfect. (laughs) Having worked together, the amount of my clients who who just either... (laughs) fancy pants off him or go oh my god he's just so perfect he must just love himself he must just know that he's god's gift (laughs) um
2: you're making me blush
0: (laughs) it's a good thing there's no video Um, but underneath the surface there is certainly more uh cogs turning than just i know i'm good looking i know i'm in good shape uh, blah 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 so how do you deal with that I guess as an individual, a PT, and as a model. Sure. No, that, that's
2: that's very kind of you to say all that. I'm 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 not the best at taking compliments, I so just get a little bit embarrassed. I get a little bit embarrassed and red in the face. <laughs> but no, thank you very much. Um, well, you know, like it's funny because like as actually a PT, like if I was to specifically look as a PT, I never really ha- I've never really had many issues with body image as such. Um. I've always found that okay in the PT side of things. Um, I think most likely because by the time I got to PT I, I kind of knew more so kind of the, the issues that I'd obviously had before that I'd, that would um, mentioned that it was far less likely for me to kind of be more like if for example if I'd say it um, gained a little bit more weight and was pushing my body weight up then you know someone in the gym could be like, oh it's just bulk and it's okay. You know, like, you know, I wouldn't think that someone would think, oh God, you know, Ryan's getting a bit he's getting <laughs> a bit big. He's put, he's putting on some weight. Um but I think definitely um with modeling that has definitely been more of a, a weighting factor. Whereas because it was about what 19 years old that I first started doing modeling and really the the, the main thing that got me into that was I mean, I'd I'd put it off for a while. I mean, I'd been asked a couple of times before if I was interested to do so, and I was like, no, no I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be able to do modelling. Like, why would I? Why would I go and you know go to a casting? Like, there's, I'm not going to get it. You know, just having that completely shutting it down, having more of that negative view on it. Um, and then I eventually went and did it, and I was like, oh, okay, I I have been signed to do this. I I was I was actually very surprised at that time. And the main thing for me was, it wasn't exactly at first that I, I wanted to do it or could see myself doing it. It was more from a self-improvement standpoint and being like, this is something that years ago, there's no chance that I would ever, ever be able to do this or stand in front of a camera and, you know, be comfortable at all. I went through a phase of, actually when I was younger of like that roughly kind of 12 to 14 age that I deleted all family photos of myself and my uh, parents' iMac and they were raging. They went absolutely nuts because there was like other photos in there as well and um, you know like family holiday photos ones that i just didn't like of myself um so it, i saw it as this kind of like hurdle like if i can do this then that's going to lead to far more feelings of self-improvement and like that feeling self accomplishment and you know taking that step further forward is going to allow me to be far more comfortable in doing anything like this um so that was so that was at the age of 19 and that crossovered with the time that I was first kind of happy with that physique that I'd that I'd achieved prior to that kind of binge eating um experience and cycle so it kind of I mean I was torn between like modeling and and bodybuilding at that point I was like oh I've just lost I've just got in a really lean position you know to to kind of be specific for modeling but then I had the, the opportunity to do, um, it was like a, it was a, body, it was a body power um, like fitness model competition. And I was like, oh, do I want to just stick with kind of, you know, doing more of the part-time modeling or do I want to try and do this specific fitness model competition that's, pardon me, that monster's repeating on me, going through <laughs> that. Um, like it was a basic, like a bodybuilding competition, but more, you know, like you would see with your, your fitness model competition. So I was torn between the two and I was like, right. That was kind of what spurred me on to kind of focusing on maybe gaining a little bit more weight, but then got paranoid about gaining weight too quickly. So then pulled calories back and then was like just chopping and changing. And it was one extreme to another and very indecisive. So I think, you know, because that was going on with the binge star of repeat cycles, having more of that negative view and outlook on myself. And, you know, in, in an industry like modeling, where you're so likely to be more critical in the way you look and especially if you have a previous history of not liking the way you look on camera and looking at photos of yourself and being like okay i like this one but no i don't like this one don't like this one don't like this one and you know you're very likely to compare yourself to others depending on the amount of work you get depending on what work other people get um but you know that's always down to your own perception and you know i guess that's the sort of thing i mean at the same time i was young as well at 19 that you don't sometimes necessarily know what you could potentially be getting yourself into further down the line with how you might deal with certain situations like that. Mm. Um so I guess like the main thing for that had been, okay, well, I I need to try and maintain more of like a, a leaner body position, even though I would have been fine bumping up a, you know, a couple of kilos rather than trying to hold this lean position that's unrealistic and then bouncing back ten times harder. And then yeah. feeling bloated, negative, binge eating, and you know, you know, the, even the physiological uh, problems that come along with binge eating. It's you know, you can have dramatic weight gain from one day to another. You your mood spikes so high and then comes straight back down, and it's it's terrible. Um, so I think that's that's the main thing with kind of struggles in body images. It had been more of me being less deci- decisive on what my kind of goal was and i because i was torn between the two i was chopping and changing so much and yeah. being unrealistic
0: in what i could achieve at what time um yeah. Yeah. but imagine yeah. imagine the psychological impact of i guess if you were going through binge eating and then had modeling shoots as well that's oh, only yeah. going to tie into it's only going to exasperate the symptoms yeah. of of restricting and then and then binging and then you know totally. the, psychological impacts of that that are then gonna maybe lead to more restricting and more binging exactly there would be times where
2: you know i'd maybe get noticed for like a photo shoot in a week or two and i'd be like oh right okay i'm not exactly in the best shape right now sorry quote unquote best shape right now even though i basically look the same to everyone else (laughs) um as, as i did the weeks where you know months before that that then i'm literally like right okay well i'm gonna do once two weeks of just you know i'll I'll cut out carbs i'll have a really low carb diet i'll do a lot of hit and you know i'll just make sure my activity is as high as i can do six training sessions a week and yeah maybe there's a a good few times that i managed to withstand that and you know drop a little bit of weight getting into a photo shoot but it felt Mm -hmm. terrible and then afterwards you'd gain all that back if not more straight after and then you've got like you know, issues with near enough borderline eating disorder again for the weeks following. You know, yeah. it's yeah. like those those kind of I always think is those dramatic changes in your lifestyle always lead to some sort of dramatic change in your physiological response. That mm-hmm. the more restrictive you're going to be in your diet, then the more res- the more more um, large or the more exacerbated that kind of rebound's going to be thereafter.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: So you, you've talked about. You, you ummed and ahed about modelling versus bodybuilding. Mm-hmm. You, I, I know, having worked with you for the first year, you were still umming and ahhing about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember talking to you and you saying, you know, I, sh- I shouldn't gain too much muscle because I won't be in a good position for modelling. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, knowing you, I think you've uh, settled on being a bit more focused on, on bodybuilding uh, and potentially fitness modelling. Yeah.
1: Yeah, what are the
2: plans? What, what, yeah. are you kind of, what are you looking at with that? So, yeah, um, totally. I, I finally kind of made my mind up a little bit more with that. And, you know, it, it was very much, it was lingering a lot because I, I had potential opportunities down in London. I was meant to go down in May last year um, to see them through as well. But then, obviously, May 20th. happened. <laughs> May <20th. laughs> yep, yep, exactly. That's enough said there. So that was a spanner in the works. And, you know, like, at the end of the day, it's, I've always had that mindset of if there is any potential opportunity on the horizon, I always want to see it through, put my maximum effort in and see what could be made of it. And you know, if I don't get something or it doesn't go the way I want it to go, then that's absolutely fine. At least I know that I've tried. And it was for ages. I think I was having a little bit more of a it was a bit of a pipe dream, to be honest. And it was a bit like right what is my real passion what do i enjoy the most what do i get the most out of and what am i most likely to put the most effort into and that's obviously always going to be for me the diet training exercise side of things so i probably from the age of 17 i've always wanted to go and compete in some sort of bodybuilding kind of um division side of things so um always been looking at men 's physique in particular as well because that's that kind of that's the the physique i've always aspired you know not being um you know massively massively big but more of i mean you know you look at your men's physique competitors now but and a lot of them are massive, but you know more of that kind of beach body kind of fitness model yeah.
0: for the for the listeners contextually uh men's bodybuilding would be more of maybe a mass competition of of who can be the biggest and lean at the same time. Men's physique is is meant to be um, a beach body look. Uh, It's essentially turned into bodybuilding from earlier years. So uh, the best men's physique competitors probably resemble roughly what your Arnold Schwarzenegger would have looked like back in the day um there are very many levels to men's physique and well all competitions um i think at the level that you're looking at just now it probably would represent a good uh, a very impressive beach body totally yeah not the beach bodies really a totally it is an extreme sport totally within itself like
2: even with that division like I think a a lot of people well no yeah like to to your average person if you look at anyone that is stepping on stage in a competition a lot of the time that's going to be like a jaw-dropping physique to them um, really a lot of the time so yes next year is my plan to finally step on stage Um, I'm still kind of looking at kind of specific federations so I mean like The years leading up to now, it's very much been like, I don't feel like my lifestyle had really been in the correct place. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, like years throughout uni with like uni deadlines that were literally when competition dates basically were. Um, I remember kind of loosely planning on doing one in my last year of uni. And then it was like dissertation time. And I was like, there is no chance I could do this. Just stress was an all time high. Like sleep was extremely poor like really struggling to get training sessions in on certain days as well those sort of things as you can imagine so um yeah it's been something i've been wanting to do for a while so obviously my kind of focus is obviously next year looking to get on stage and i would very much like to see what i could potentially do in that kind of realm of things and what it, what it would be like obviously experiencing myself going to stage i mean I've i've done quite excessive fat loss diets before and gotten in lean positions but not quite to the point of stepping on stage. It's maybe been that few kilos from it. So, yeah, I think I am in the position now where I have far more control over my lifestyle that it would be far more suited. I mean, the, the less control you're going to have, the, the the less likely it's going to be that you're going to be able to bring your best package
0: on stage, I guess you can say. Yeah, it's a very, very stressful sport. Uh, very
1: competitive as well, isn't it?
0: Well, so- I mean... Uh, with COVID the next couple of years are probably going to be the most competitive years for a while because uh, they'll have del- uh, pushed a lot of people hashtag. back. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, if you've got a lot of external stress, it's going to be hard um, Totally. So to be able to focus on everything you need to focus on, bring your best every training session, exert the amount of discipline and willpower you need to uh, with your diet, et cetera. Um, so that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I guess next question would be: What would be, what do you feel would be your potential limitations in that realm? What if, if something was going to derail you or or make you less competitive? What would that be? Oh, um, I would probably say.
2: I mean, obviously, the one thing would that I think I would challenge that would be challenging I would have to pay a lot of attention to is balancing that working lifestyle obviously with like because you can expect like going through such an extended period of time and such a low energy availability state that you're going to have a lot of negative outcomes of you know your 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 cognitive function is going to go down the drain it's going to be far less you're going to be far more fatigued like all around you're going to have poorer sleep That sort of thing, I think, because obviously work is always going to come as that number one priority. And some people seem to be able to deal with it absolutely fine. Like a lot of coaches out there seem to do great on it. Mm -hmm. Um, Hopefully I can fall into that as well. But I mean, that's one thing is, you know, if I'm having early starts with clients and say, for example, I didn't get to sleep that well in the evening before it took me ages to get to sleep or, you know, then that would affect me the following day and being able to manage really kind of fatigue and workload along with that as well. In terms of, like, my mental capabilities, I, I think, you know, if it was an environment, if I was in a constant environment that everything was controlled around me, then I would just be able to get my blinders on and do that absolutely fine. Like, I, I can, compl- I, I wish at times I was able to be in the, the situation of, like, a professional competitor that can just, you know, it's their job to do so. Mm-hmm. But I, I do admire many people that are able to, you know, really all of their focus into it and be able to still do everything around them to the highest quality of work. Um I think that would be my main thing. Um obviously one thing I would I mean I would definitely make sure I get coached for doing so as well. You become your your own worst enemy in those situations as well as as you guys will know that you know you you start questioning like the the your perception of how you look at those stages as well. I mean, even I remember in my fat loss phase last year, I said to you, Jake, that I was like, I was like, yeah, you know, like I'm, I'm lean, but I'm, I'm not feeling that lean. And then like just the other week, I looked back and showed you a photo and I was like,
0: oh, Jake, do you remember, did you see how lean I was here? And you're like,
2: yeah, <laughs> that's exactly how I remember you looking. And I was like, uh, yeah, I didn't feel like that at all when I was at that point. It's and crazy
1: how that works
0: though, isn't it? I, me and Ryan had a phone call. This was during lockdown. We were in, me and Kate were in, uh, in Northumberland in our mouth. And me and Ryan had a a phone conversation. He he sent me a photo. He said, "Yeah, I think I'm looking quite lean, uh, (laughs) but uh, you know, not that lean." And I was like, "Ryan, you could compete in men's physique in like two or three weeks. (laughs) You're shredded." And he's like, "I don't know, nah." nah." And then look, we had this conversation. We went for a walk the other week, and he was like, "Yeah, mate, you were definitely right. I could probably, I wasn't far off sort of men's leanness." Totally. You just get, you get so
2: caught up and fixed on, you know, if you like the most common thing, someone starts doing some sort of fat loss phase, weight loss. And, you know, if they're conscious of that little bit in their lower abdomen and they're like, you know, pinching that little bit of fat and they're like, Oh, I just want to get rid of this. You know, you lose 15 kilos. You've still got that pinch of fat, you know, but in reality, it's just that little bit of skin. And it's just because there's that such slow change, but you're focusing on that day by day. Mm-hmm. that you're looking for those minor, cha- those minor changes every single day that because you're exposing yourself to that visual perception
0: yeah. so frequently, you're not going to see those changes, that it just feels like you're the same. And that's why, you, obviously, you know, you using other places to stare at and go, that's not fucking good enough.
2: Exactly, exactly. Uh, you're just always going to focus on, on more of the negatives, totally.
0: I think that's exactly why having a coach in that situation is so, so important. important. 100%. Hundred percent.
1: We both said that, like, we wouldn't really go through a dieting phase without the help of a coach again, because yeah, just uh, what we said before of just being quite kind of, you know, blinkers on, a bit bullheaded. Like we're the kind of people that will just, you know, crack on, keep keep doing what we're doing. And I think it is easy to just push a little bit too far, and you, you don't always see the change. Totally. Yeah. Hundred percent,
2: hundred percent. It's funny, like yeah. how, like all coach, like pretty much every coach out there, like we've all been coached, mm. are being coached, and everyone else out there, like that are, you know, coaches themselves, always tend to have another coach yeah. doing it themselves. Like we all believe in the effectiveness of it, and you know, like I, I think a lot of people tend to be a little bit confused by that a lot of the time, being coached by other people, but don't truly a lot of times see how beneficial it can be of just literally having someone to, to make those decisions for you when you're very likely to, just like you said, be a little bit more, or, you know, you're just going to extend, push that little bit further forward when maybe that is the worst idea. Maybe you need a
0: break. You know? Yeah, I, I actually I kind of either worry or judge, think ill of um, coaches that have been in the game for any length of time that have never hired a coach. I, ju- I just think... Yeah you can't like how why are you expecting someone to pay you mm. totally you don't even believe in your own service because you've never hired anyone else totally you're probably shit because you you don't see the benefit you can have on other people because if you did see that benefit and you actually had that benefit you on other be people you'd go wait a second that will probably apply to me as well because i'm still yeah. a human i still like every other human struggle with dieting i still yeah and- that's it and i still hate going to split squats and won't do them unless i'm told to <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: uh, that's it sometimes you just need that person there just to be like right you're doing this
2: and you're like oh well okay fine like okay i'm not going to say in it right i'm, I'm paying a yeah. coach to do this they know what they're talking about oh. if you obviously have your trust within them and then it's like right you crack on
0: and it, it makes it makes life far more easier
1: totally totally
0: I mean, the the big one for me, even just thinking about it was I had always had this really functional fitness, uh, performance-based fitness view on training, which meant that I had to train my legs loads because that was functional and that was performance-based. Anyone who's like seen me like from a physique point of view, I'm not exactly jacked in any region, but the place that does not need more training would be my legs. Yeah, I was training legs like three times a week, and my upper body twice a week, and being pissed off at not having bigger arms and shoulders and stuff. Yeah, I hired Mike, and he was like, "Right, you're training legs one and a half times a week, and upper body three and a half times." And I looked at him yeah. like, "I don't know about that. It's not very functional." But yeah, I was like, "Oh, my arms look bigger. That's good. I am actually quite quite a fan of that."
2: That's it. The, the amount of the amount of clients that sign up to a coach to think that. They're gonna tell the coach what they want and what they need. Where in reality, what they need is the coach to tell them yeah. what they need and what they actually need to do to execute to where
0: they get want to get totally. Yeah, totally. Um so kind of building on that, kind of along those lines. Yep. Uh,
1: Jake's actually got the here. I can't read his handwriting. <laughs> <laughs> I've the- actually
0: the questions that we've read. <laughs> <laughs> I feel quite attacked.
1: <laughs> it's
0: actually been a bit of a running joke. Flatmates, school friends, since I was about 12, that I have the handwriting of a five-year-old.
1: Yeah. I'd I'd, honestly,
2: I'm the same. Like my whiteboard behind me. I've, I've, well, I've finally just ticked off all the stuff on my to-do list that was on my whiteboard. So I was like, right, I need to wipe that off before I come on <laughs> here, because you will, you, you will just be like, what is that scribbling? Is That Latin?
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so, what is the most common mistake or shortcoming you see in people's training? We'll stick with training. Mm. Uh, okay. Uh, I want to split that into two things. And um, first off, kind of beginners, it doesn't have to be absolute beginners to the gym, but kind of their first year of training in any way, uh, they're certainly not at that intermediate stage. And then okay. the second part would be more your intermediate, been training for a while, look like they train, but the things that are holding them back from going to the the next level sort sure. of. Thing. Okay um well there's obviously many i think
2: i think the the first thing that jumps to mind with more of your kind of beginner trainees would definitely be more so of the the expectation that it takes far more yeah it takes what well, more than it really does to make great progress so it's that assumption that you know you need to be training five or more times per week or maybe even every day you need to be doing cardio or some form of like you know more activity every single day you need to be completely rigid within your nutrition it's like very specific to again like i touched on earlier is like the more is better it's it's always that expectation that they always think that it's that ceiling that they've got to try and reach within their training that they've just got to go in and go beast mode every single session and and this is what obviously comes very What's very common from kind of copying the they may be their favorite influencers or um, bodybuilders, so to speak. That copying exactly where someone's at. That maybe they're so far ahead of you within the the training side of things. If you go in and do your favorite influencer, who's you know been training for X amount of years and has got X amount of experience and has adapted to these forms of training, that if you're to jump in straight off the bat and do this sort of thing yourself, that it's very likely going to be unsustainable. Mm. Um. Obviously, what comes along with that as well are, you know, kind of other aspects would be um, being more kind of ego driven as well um, kind of disregarding more kind of, I guess, technique and the, the safe performance of exercises. So being far more focused on just exactly doing more, the more that they can lift, the better without actually seeing if they're you know, actually analyzing whether what they're doing is actually correct. Um, another thing as well is not having structure or even goals in place that they're to work towards that you know it's just thinking right if I just go in multiple times to the gym per week if I can get in at least five times per week I can smash each of these workouts then I'm going to get in great shape but it's not actually having any kind of quantifiable measure to whether they are progressing what they're working towards that it's just looking at more so of each individual session and just trying to get get in to get a good workout where there's no real kind of overarching goal there so to speak if you get me on that not yeah, tracking that, right? yeah uh, totally and it doesn't mean that you know you need to absolutely track everything in place and know exactly what you're doing every single session i mean you could even just have a little bit of structure within what you're doing even if you were just like tracking say your your compound lifts say you were just measuring like your bench press your squat and your deadlift and those were the main movements that you were trying to focus on progressing on, not doing them an obscene amount of times per week. And you know, with whatever accessory kind of exercises that you were doing, just kind of roughly making sure that you're progressing in them that, you know, from week to week and just making sure you're not disregarding the, the safe practice of exercise as well. Um, that would probably be like, as I'd say, the, the more kind of beginner kind of thing that would jump first to my mind.
0: I think, um, a lot, I think a lot of that applies to intermediates as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You just see, I, I think you can apply a lot of that to beginners, but then uh, a lot of that will apply to intermediates who have basically done all that long enough that they've made okay totally. progress, but yeah. they're still doing it. And that's why they're stuck at sort of being intermediate. But if you've got anything to add on intermediates, that'll be good to hear as well.
2: Totally. So, um, I guess, yeah, this is kind of maybe more intermediate to kind of advanced is is more of the becoming too comfortable or too focused within one method of training or one way of training. So if, for example, someone does, uh, you know, they, they start off with a new selection of exercises, they find set number of exercises, sets and reps, they go through them for a period of time and they start to get considerable gains in muscle mass and you know they they start to notice these improvements in body composition and then obviously us as coaches are going to be like right well that effectiveness is going to wear off at some point further down the line and then they're still doing the same thing further down the line and then they've just completely plateaued and they're like oh but i'm I'm still doing the same exercises like these worked beforehand Mm -hmm. but i'm i'm not getting that step further even if i am progressing in each of these and it's you know, it's it's fine. I always find it's finding that balance between <laughs> not switching things up every single session and not doing the same exercises all year round. That it's giving yourself that intermediate, where or it's that middle ground where you're finding a good rotation variation of exercise, but you know, not mixing up every single day. Um, like I said, so not focusing on that for too long. Um, not spending too long dieting like hands up my my biggest uh, mistake for so long was striving for having that lean physique that you know always being and when i say lean physique that's very very lean it's it's unrealistic to stay at that point all year round and realizing that you know having a little bit of body fat doesn't mean that you're fat and it doesn't mean that you're overweight that it's you know it's very much needed in an overall health um kind of perspective so another thing, not prioritizing, um, you know, recovery and stress management. That, again, this kind of, this will come into both beginners and kind of more intermediate to advanced, I guess, um, mm-hmm. kind of applies to everyone that a lot of people kind of use exercise as maybe their coping coping mechanism for stress. And a lot of people might have um, stressful lifestyles and then, you know, say, say they've got a... a Huge amount of stress um, in their workplace. And then they go into the gym afterwards and they're just like, right, I'm just going to absolutely smash this. And they're just building up these fatigue levels over time that they're going to get to this breaking point eventually. And I guess, again, what comes with that as well is that understanding overall of what's enough, what's too much, and what's too little, um, and what's appropriate to do at what time. Um, you know, like I, I know you'll be the same as well. If like people have an extremely stressful situation going on sometimes you'll have people that have you know family stress going on We'll have work stress going on then they're trying to adhere to doing a ton of training that there's only so much one person can take and it always makes more sense in those situations to bring things down on the exercise side of things at, at those periods of time and make sure that someone can deal and you know relieve those symptoms of stress and other aspects of life before they start imposing others, other other uh, forms of stress in their life through through exercise and diet, um, and then I, I would probably say what falls into both as well would be um, not focusing on the the main principle of or the the main factor that drives progress and and muscle growth or you know even improvements in body composition is progressive overload that I fell into this category as well is that I would go into session to session and just think i just need to get as good a blood flow as i can if i want you know if i'm wanting to improve a muscle group i've just got to pump it as much as i can and just get as much blood flow as i possibly can and take it away from the actual principles of progressing within performance and again it comes into that session to session focus of just having more of that focus in the short term rather than what actually drives your progress in the long run if that makes sense I'm, i'm sure you'll probably agree with me on that
0: yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I think uh, I I did a post on this on Instagram the other day. It, lots of variety, lots of chopping and changing is probably more interesting, and doing whatever you fancy that day is more interesting mm-hmm. in the short term. But
1: it doesn't really get the results you want.
0: It's not very motivating two months later when you've seen fuck all progress, whereas Being a little bit more disciplined, potentially a little bit more boring with your training and just repeat, 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 get better, get better, get better, make progress. Two, three months down the line when you are miles ahead from a progress point of view in a lift, so strength's gone up in a specific rep range and you've made physique improvements the way you wanted to, that's all the motivation and the kind of drive that you need Totally. Uh,
1: really. it's, 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 a complicated, don't
0: they?
2: Totally, totally. It's, 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 it's <laughs> my my favourite was the the you know you've got to shock your body and you, you <laughs> yeah. you've got to keep your body guessing and it's like yeah no, you don't want to be just throwing in all different sorts of exercises every every single every mm-hmm. single day your yeah. your body's literally not going to know what's hit it in the wrong
0: way. Totally. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: Something um, I wanted to go on that you'd said about uh, even Instagrammers, influencers, etc. But for the beginner side of things, mm-hmm. you, you mentioned people following their workouts and not being in the place to uh, cope with that kind of volume or intensity. Worse than that, sometimes influencers are chucking workouts out that just see, seem more palatable to the individuals. So you've got like, I'm going to pick on females. I shouldn't really. It's just off the top of my head. But you got females with amazing glutes, really well developed physiques, who clearly squat, deadlift, hip thrust, lunge, etc. Mm-hmm. All the things that we know are amazing for building glutes, chucking out fucking band workouts that do nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're accessible. Yeah. Accessible's great until you realize that it didn't do anything for you.
1: It's just selling you that dream, isn't it? And people expect so they're gonna start looking like those expectations, and it's like no, you like that's not how they train. They yeah. don't train. Like Hundred
2: percent, and it's like it's funny because you you see these influencers come out as well, and like uh, like there's there's so many times I've just gotten rage and i seen certain male influencers come out and come up with certain exercises. Like they've come up with this new fancy exercise, and it's like do this to get a massive chest, and it's like doing some sort of like crazy exercise no one's ever seen. that's very impractical, high risk of injury. So. Yeah then no one looks at what they've done to get to the point where they are now it's like have you been doing that for years on end to actually develop the physique that you've
0: got now no no it's not and for a lot of them nothing, yeah for not a, a lot of them nothing's changed the last two years they they did all this simple stuff that works to get an amazing physique and now they just jump around do plyometrics etc etc that look great for views and are more palatable and seem more accessible to people or they're this new secret. Mm. Uh, totally. Actually, they're not changing anymore. They're just maintaining. And you can do whatever you want to maintain a physique. That's yeah. no big deal. But Jimmy, who's 18 and uh, is quite skinny, who wants to look like a men's physique athlete doing these ridiculous workouts,
1: it probably
0: not going to happen.
1: I think it just totally. feels like that comparison as well, doesn't it? Like you see, you just kind of have this assumption, well, if I just do what they're doing, then I'm going to look like them, hmm. you know, in no time at all. And then when you're not actually seeing those changes, that's when those real kind of negative thoughts and you start just comparing yourself to other people.
0: Totally.
2: So it's, it's, in a way, it's a roundabout way of, of them, like, it's indirect, but of them taking advantage of the, the trust yeah. that you have within them. Totally.
0: Yeah, I genuinely think it's only one level down from sort of the booty, uh, fit, tea. Uh, yeah. It's not far off. It's disingenuous of how they've achieved what they've achieved. The same way that posting a booty transformation isn't the way that they look the way they look. Yeah. Uh, it'd be great if everyone just upped the transparency of what they do to get to where they've got to.
2: That's it. I'm I'm a huge kind of promoter of, you know, stick to the basics. The basics are the basics for a reason. And all these fundamental movements have got all of these people with, you know, kind of, I guess, you know, you can say amazing physiques to the point where where they're at, that a lot of people can potentially be surprised when, you know, I'll get asked questions on my Instagram and it's like, Oh, like what exercise have you been doing for this and what exercise you've been doing for that? And I'll be like, this, this, and this and this. And they're like, Oh, like that's kind of the same exercise I've been doing. I was looking for something, you know, well, (laughs) a little bit more fancy, not that they're saying that, but you know, it's it really is that that it's applying to the the basic principles, progressive overloading in the fundamental exercises and sticking with that and trusting the process rather than what is flashy and what that current new trend
0: is. Totally.
1: No,
0: Brian, you've made it through our podcast for the most part. You are on to the closing questions. Oh, it's gone by so quickly. I'm sad.
1: <laughs>
0: Seeing as I've asked all the questions because Kate can't read my handwriting, <laughs> I'm
1: going
0: to let Kate read the closing questions. I don't need to. Read okay. Them. And okay. hopefully ah. she remembers them because she can't read
1: them. <laughs> so, Ryan what is so i've actually found this podcast so interesting actually just hearing i think that just sort of like to go off a little bit of tangent first of all is you hear a lot about like females talking a lot about you know their history with eating disorders and body image and things like that and i don't think enough males talk about it Um, i think people do assume that it is very much you know a female thing and so just hearing your take on it and your journey with it all i think a lot of people are going to resonate um, and be able to relate to that. So that's like amazing that you are as open as you are. No, I really appreciate um, that. Yeah, no, it is. It's, it's really, really good to hear. Um, I guess first question is, you know, you talked a lot about your former self and back in the day, the kind of journey that you have had, like if you could go back and give yourself one piece of advice, um, what would it be?
2: Oh, I think it would well, if because I would I would most likely trust myself, I would imagine if it was my future self. Um I would be as simple as don't be as harsh on yourself. Like I think it would literally be that would be the, the overruling statement is don't be so bloody harsh on yourself. And you know, don't hate yourself into trying to make progress and trying to be this better individual. And like I'm I'm such like a fan now of that kind of like self-love that you know you've got to put time into focusing and liking who you are and where you're at at that point and not feeling overwhelmed and focusing on the negatives in yourself so I think it would very much be kind of giving myself a little bit of an ego boost and to to stop being as harsh as myself um more so with that I don't know I think because it's <laughs> I think because there's so many things I would probably tell myself it would yeah. be that more overarching statement
1: yeah yeah no that's great um and then we did actually talk a little bit about this um before we started recording i know you've got date night tonight oh yeah we are planning on getting a takeaway but our question is probably one of our favorite questions is (laughs) if you could have anything to eat calories didn't matter money location none of it if you could have covid COVID doesn't matter covid doesn't exist if you could have anything in the entire world what would you have for dinner tonight
0: I would really,
2: really like a proper going out, getting dressed up and going for a proper fine dining meal. Like um, me and Rachel had booked to go to Martin Wisharts in January, like hoping that, you know, things would be open at that point there as well. And that hadn't happened. I was so focused on it. I was like, I hadn't been out for proper fine dining in ages. So Mm. I would definitely like fine dining, some red wine, a real nice fillet steak, and I'm cheesing harder than you could ever imagine. <laughs> it's it's
0: probably the impact of COVID on that because both me and Kate were exactly the same mm-hmm. in terms of. I guess that's just the one thing you just can't do at home. Like you can get some seriously good food at home. I know you did the six by Nico thing. Mm-hmm. um We've talked about butter burger, which is phenomenal. Oh the only can, reason I didn't say Butterburgers is because I've had too many so far. Yeah, <laughs> it, you, you can do it. it that's the, the deal, whereas it's been, you know, over a year that any of us have been able to do that sort of let's dress up, go out for a, a fancy schmancy meal, have some amazing food, some some nice wine and... and wine and
1: dining. Properly wine and dine so, yeah. yeah,
0: That's it. It's the atmosphere and it's just that
2: feeling of being, you know it's it's a treat it's it's that real kind of social treat as well and it's it's almost that little bit of escapism of just being able to to get out of you know i mean we're just stuck indoors obviously all the time now and it's like no matter what different variety of food you're getting indoors you it's you you, you i guess looking back kind of taken for granted of like the atmosphere of different places and going out for, yeah. for nice food but yeah i can't wait till i can get out for a fine dining experience yeah. and have myself a nice juicy steak
1: Snap, snap. And finally, Ryan, what do the next couple of years look like for you? So from, per- first of all, from like a personal standpoint, um, you know, next couple of years, and then also in terms of PT, coaching, um, what, what are the goals?
2: Yeah, so I mean, I guess I'd have to be quite vague with that. Um, with the way things are going at the moment, I'm very, very chuffed. Um, My what is on the the near horizon is going full-time online so i mean i i've enjoyed obviously working one-to-one in-person pt but i mean for the from a working standpoint from what's involved i feel like my time's far better utilized Mm -hmm. and for the clients as well through online i feel like i can always get more information better quality information across the clients and it's it kind of goes with you know if you look back to all the things that i've been saying as well and like not focusing just on the individual session it's so difficult to be able to get a lot of that kind of lifestyle coaching across mm-hmm. whenever you're doing a uh, one-to-one uh, in-person sessions but don't get me wrong obviously in-person sessions are fantastic for being able to you know get that safe practice of practice of exercise but for the all other aspects that are just important is the exercise side of things can be far better managed them through the online side of things so i really want to be able to get through to the point of um working full-time online um hopefully over this next year i can see what potentially could lie further in the kind of modeling side of things i'm definitely going to go down to london and just see that on the side just so i know um, but not getting too set on it and in the next three years i would definitely like to have stepped on stage two times at least Two times at least in the next three years, I'm I'm definitely thinking. Um, that's as vague as my goals are for the time being, to be honest. But
1: Brilliant.
0: yeah, yeah, I think that I think that's some great goals. I think so
1: too. Um,
0: I know your personality um, in terms of uh, the business side of things. I think you'll want to be in a really good position before you go fully online, and mm-hmm. I've got no doubts you'll do it. I think you're really well suited to it as well. Um, as you, you said. The in-person stuff, is it's great for personal relationships and for that acute management of technique. But I think you can manage all of that. I had quite a few in-person clients who sort of went, oh, I don't think that I can, I can make that switch. Um, and I basically bullied them into filming form videos. Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh, we can even manage technique online. Mm -hmm. that that's that's amazing okay well i don't really see what i'm missing then other than us having a bit of crack so yeah totally i I can see that happening for you definitely and and in terms of stepping on stage i think that's without without question i'm looking forward to seeing it
1: yeah no
0: no no, it's exciting times exciting times i think i think as well
2: like obviously when things get all back to normal as well i think far far more people are obviously going to have this kind of real motivation to kind of make use of everything that they've kind of missed out on as well for, for over the last wee while and maybe take less things for granted, you know, specifically the gym as well. And, you know, I think a lot more people will be looking into investing more into themselves, especially for how challenging or the challenges that um,
0: lockdown has, has mm-hmm. rung over the last year totally. Definitely. Well, I guess we'll... We'll leave things there. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on, Ryan. No, thank you very much again. In terms of where people can find you, uh, or anywhere that you want to lead them, Mm -hmm. where would those places
2: be? Mainly my Instagram. So my Instagram's linked to my Facebook page, so you can find me on Instagram at Bennett underscore underscore Fit. I try and be as active as I can on the stories there, and uh, try to post at least three times a week. That's that's my, my goal at the moment anyway with uh, some informative posts coming your way. So, so don't miss out on me dropping some serious knowledge bombs there. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that's that's the main place that you could um, find me and then the the same as my Facebook page, but
0: both are covered with the same for that. And they will be linked underneath this podcast in the show notes. Yeah,
1: make sure you give them a follow.
0: And yeah, we're going to leave things there. Uh, don't forget to like, share subscribe comment whatever is appropriate but certainly subscribe so that you catch all our episodes and future episodes and yeah we'll catch you in the next episode it's been a pleasure perfect Perfect. thank you